life though. I'm so happy it won. I know, I'm hyped I'm hyped one too. That guy my guy was so aggressive when he came back on to announce it when I actually <laughs> he was saying, no, no, you were wrong no. were, you still, were you guys watching the yeah, yeah I was watching it live I was at work and so we were about to like do the post show so we were everyone's getting ready <laughs> and then that went down and everyone like lost it in the studio like, like the whole web department had to like redo everything they planned on just a bunch of chaos. So I, I was sitting here watching it, uh, you know, assuming La La Land was going to get the win because they were like, had so much momentum. They announced it, La La Land, and they're like, alright, cool, I'm going back to this Clippers Hornets over time. Um, <laughs> I didn't even see what happened. Yeah, all, did. All, all of a sudden, Twitter, <laughs> all of a sudden, Twitter starts exploding, Facebook starts exploding, people are saying, what happened, what happened? I don't have TiVo on this TV here, so I'm trying to go back, and it's just chaos. Yeah. So I actually didn't see what happened. I had to go back on Twitter to see what actually went down. The thing to me is, you know, I, I got no problem with Ryan Gosling. Uh, a lot of people have issues with him because, you know, women swoon swoon over him so much. I, me as well. And, but it, me as <laughs> the swine enjoys him quite a bit. But I will never, ever forget his role in Remember the Titans. And this is my favorite internet meme: is that the, the girls can can love Gosling all they want, but we will never forget how bad of a cornerback he was. T. C. Williams, <laughs> a liability, liability in the backfield. And just opens up the comparisons, you know, La La Land, Falcons. It's now true. I'm not gonna call uh, Moonlight the Patriots. Uh, no, that's not fair. That's not. But certainly, when you think so you got someone wrapped up, literally yeah. almost in the end zone on stage. <laughs> now there's been some rumblings though that this was a planned mistake for publicity. What do you guys think about that? I personally don't, I don't think, think so. they would no, mess up something that important. No, uh, I. I think part of it was like a true screw up by the two guys that worked the envelopes. Exactly. Yeah. Also, apparently, uh, <laughs> the uh, the dude who read it on stage uh, just step away from the mic he, the well, card gotta, said Emma Stone La La Land and he knew and he, he knew that's he knew. He what like, I mean just step right. away that dude, that dude that runs on the stage his one job is literally to be next to the stage in case anyone does something like that well, it's easy as that apparently they have an accounting firm who handles like these two envelopes and yeah. they released the dude's name yeah, uh, a guy from PWC wow, yeah, Brian, right. Brian Cullen and everybody shout yeah. out to Brian Cullen and uh, they somehow released his name, and he's the guy who mistakenly handed the backup envelope. Last night, to the know, probably not going back. <laughs> he's not, bounce back, he's not bouncing back with a new job. <laughs> no. That's a job very specialized, and if you mess that one up, nah, it's pretty much over for <laughs> you. You, you got to find a new career, my guy. But uh, something that is bouncing back is our podcast. Hey, hey, here we are. We're here, cautiously optimistic episode four. Welcome back. I am Nick Osteller. I am Sully Engels, and I'm Jesse Brummel. Squad. Wow. And uh, we are back for more podcast pleasure for your ears. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we're, we're just going to get back into it right away here. Uh, skipping past the Oscar mishap, uh, we're going to go back to last week with the NBA trade deadline. Jumping into NBA right off the bat here. A lot of the big names stayed put. Um, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Butler, Paul George were the kind of the biggest names out there who did not go anywhere, surprisingly or unsurprisingly. Um, we'll get into that. But the Lakers... You know, Magic, still making small moves. They're small, but they're moves nonetheless. Uh, trading for Tyler Ennis, Ennis the Menace, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, sending away Marcelo Huertas. Well, yeah, small, really small, small deal. But small, uh, on paper, in my heart, it burns. Because I love Marcelo. I loved him watching him last year. He was my favorite part of the Lakers in 2016. Last year, he was fun to watch. This year, he's so pointless. I know, but I still <laughs> enjoy him. The flavor off the bench. I don't need him. Definitely I don't care. Man, y'all are haters. 
I don't. I, Wirtas was cool. He's you know he's whatever, but he's pretty bad. So it's like I'm, <laughs> you know like I'm 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 happy. I like Tyler Ennis too as a player. I mean, when he's at Syracuse, he was someone that I would follow. But so I'm happy he's a Laker. I think he's a good piece uh, down the road if we end up keeping him. At the end of the day, who knows who we're gonna, and who we're going to have yeah, next year and, that we have on this roster besides the four core guys. I feel bad for Tyler Ennis because he's already been traded four times in his two year career. Yeah. And he's been on the Bucks twice, which is a cruel and unusual punishment. So uh, the Bucks are kind of nice. The Bucks now, are fun right now. But when he was on the Bucks, they weren't that nice. That's a good point. And he had to be on them twice. <laughs> he left. He's like, oh, I'm gone from Milwaukee. No he more Milwaukee. He had to come back. Um, but, yeah, if you look at, at Tyler Ennis's, like, you know, per 36 minutes, he there's no reason he can't be a solid guard in the NBA. I think the issue with the Lakers is we have a plethora of guards right now. We and do. And so I think, Jess, you kind of noted on this, I – wouldn't be surprised if he was traded for a fifth time in his career Yeah, um, before this is all said and done. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the trade just as, as itself, you know, they're trading away a veteran point guard in Huertas who really wasn't contributing at all. For a young guy, he's only 22 still, so, you know, getting younger, which is always good for the team that's in rebuilding mode. You know, Tyler Ennis has not been a good player in his short career, also has not gotten much of an opportunity. So we'll see if they get, he gets an opportunity here. I, I can't hate the trade. It's, it's um, a, a small step in the right direction, so... Uh, we'll take it from there, I guess. And um, Swaggy P. Oh, did no, you want to say yeah, one more thing? So what do you guys think, uh, out of the three guys we named earlier, with Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and Swaggy even, uh, is is there one of those that's most surprising they didn't move at this deadline? I think the most surprising that didn't move is honestly Swaggy. Yeah. Especially coming in with Magic. I think he really wanted to make changes off top. And uh, he did. He made his little trades. But I thought I thought he was probably on his way out. I mean, Jimmy Butler and Paul George, it just takes so much to get them that there was some momentum, but it just wasn't enough. And you heard what kind of Larry Bird was asking for people like Paul George or something like that. And and you heard what Boston wasn't willing to give up yeah. in order to get Jimmy Butler, which is understandable. So it just takes too much for those two to kind of just move so late. And it just wasn't going to happen. I really thought Jimmy Butler was going to get moved to, to the Celtics just because the Celtics have been accumulating all these assets. You know, now there's memes coming out of Danny Ainge just kind of like twiddling his thumbs in his office, not doing anything. <laughs> um, it's about, you know, the, the question is when is he going to make this move? He's just stockpiling all of this, all these draft picks and young players. Um, if they really want to, you know, beat Cleveland and have this window, I thought now would have been the time to pull the trigger on a trade like that. At the same time, you know, the Celtics do have a good team, but I still don't see this current team without Jimmy Butler beating a team like the Cavaliers or even the Raptors now who um, also, Mm -hmm. you know, beefed up a little bit. As for Paul George, um, you know, he's from L.A., from Palmdale out there in the Deep Valley. Um, Palmdale. Deep Valley. Um, So, you know, if he's a free agent next summer in 2018, that's the, I think that's a time when you make a move for him. Right now, if you trade for him, you're just going to have to give up the entire young core of the team, basically. So if there's report, if these reports are true that Paul George wants to be a Laker, just wait the, wait the year. Wait it out. Wait mm-hmm. it out. Possibly get a draft pick this year. Possibly just keep the rebuilding process moving towards that. Um, but yeah, interesting that he didn't move because Indiana is not going anywhere. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, going back to Justice's point, Swaggy was the... Uh, easiest of those three to trade. And yeah. I think it was an easy move for the Lakers to maybe move him to get some assets, see their draft picks of some sort, another young player that they could move. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I'm not totally upset that he didn't move because I like Nick Young a lot. I, I, love Nick I know Young. the team loves Nick Young a lot, too. So it helps that young development as well, just having guys around you like. The other two, I think you guys both have good points. It's just it's hard to move. As you said, Jess, hard to move either of them. And Nick, I personally, I don't know what the Celtics are doing. You have all these draft picks. You have all these young players. And it's kind of like uh, mirroring the Clippers. 
in the East Coast in the sense that they're never going to get to that cream of the crop unless they make a move and get one more player or switch things up. They don't necessarily need to switch things up, but in a sense that they're not going to get to that cream of the crop without doing something, and they didn't do anything. I guess the only argument on their side for not making a trade is they want to kind of see where that draft pick actually ends up to yeah. have more leverage with it, but at the same time, that's after the season. You know, the draft lottery is in May. It was during the playoffs, so it's like the trade the trade now would have you know given you that bona fide superstar as opposed to waiting for a draft pick a draft pick who you don't even know who that guy's going to turn into what you do know is what jimmy butler is right now and he's a guy who could definitely help you right now compete with the cavaliers in the east like i said so questionable decision to hold on to him but you know i can sort of see the other side of the argument but i do not agree with that side of the argument yeah and uh, speaking of disagreements we have a little, <laughs> Jeez. a little uh, Twitter feud, Twitter beef. Love Twitter beefs here on Cautiously Optimistic, and we have a big one this week with Shaquille O'Neal and JaVale McGee. This and one was a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, this one. So as you know, uh, Shaq on TNT has his Shaq and the Fool segment, and he has just been picking on JaVale, as has you know most of the NBA world. Yeah. Um, for the past five six years, and JaVale, you know. What can we say? The, the dude got a little sensitive. I think he's feeling himself now. He's on a, like like Shaq said, he's on a winning team. You know, he's kind of he's playing. Yeah, the way he always plays, but like he's actually winning now, doing it. Um, and I think he's kind of feeling himself. He's like, you know what? I'm trying to put an end to this nonsense. But what he doesn't understand is that everybody loves when Shaq rips on Javale McGee. <laughs> everybody loves. It's so easy when you're running the wrong way on the court. When you're doing all this stuff that Javale does, it's just way too much fun to watch him do this, nobody's going to be here with you, JaVale. No, and, and, you know, I can see what JaVale and, of course, his, his new best buddy, Kevin Durant, had, yeah. had to stay and, and stick up for him. Again, you know, Shaq is, is an all-time great player, and Kevin Durant took some shots at, Sa- at Shaq saying, oh, you can't shoot free throws. You couldn't shoot outside. Well, he's also the most dominant big man in NBA history, and, and I know Kevin Durant mentioned that point, but that kind of trumps everything else. JaVale, like you said, just who has run the opposite way on a basketball court like that? All the way crossing the half-court line. You know, done just moves that you're not thinking. And granted, he is a lot better this year on a better team, and he's maturing. But I don't know. It just means you can't, you know, rip on him. Everyone gets ripped on in the league. It's not like this is not fair. Like what Shaq has said isn't fair. He gives you what you need. Like he's giving you all the ammo. He's like, hey, here you go. This is me being an idiot on the court. Have fun. It's not like he's just like he picked out a race. It's not like he's doing this to Ricky Rubio, you know, yeah. just a solid guy who doesn't do anything, and like doesn't mess up like that. He's doing this to someone who's messing up all the time. It's not out and of yeah, the norm. And I can, I can see where, like, JaVale can make the argument, like, okay, dude, this is enough. This is every year, every every time in the league. So maybe it did get to a point where it was a, a bit much, but at the same time, you're a professional athlete and uh, – a lot of different athletes have gone through much worse than you just having a little segment where Shaq talks about stupid things you did do, things that aren't even debatable. They're just dumb. Well, that's the most entertaining part of it for me is that these are two grown men, you know, two guys who have played in the NBA basically just arguing like schoolyard schoolyard boys on Twitter back and forth with the insults. And, you know, Shaq is always kind of like, Shaq will always get in the playground with you and make those kind of, uh, have those kind of feuds and get into it with people. That's what he did throughout his entire career, throwing jabs, making jokes. JaVale, just, you know, if, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen kind of thing, in my opinion. But the best part of this is, um, have you guys heard how this ended? Yeah, the resolution. <laughs> the resolution here. It's funny Shaq- how we talk about grown men yeah. doing this. <laughs> uh, Shaq's mom comes in and drops the hammer, telling her son to, you know, cut this out. Even JaVale's mom gets involved, saying, my, you know, don't make fun of my boy. 
this thing is getting out of control. The moms had to get involved to shut this down. Really? And that's just hilarious in my opinion. It's hilarious that, yeah, Shaq, you know, he said he would shut it down now because his mom said no more. So he said, hey, mom was real. That's how you go. And, and I read all of JaVale McGee's mom's comments, which, um, I don't know, for a player who now is well known for being a moron on the court, they're extremely well written and well thought out. Like mm-hmm. all of her arguments against Shaq were like, oh, you know, he's a grown bully. He's a police officer. He really, you know, he's a sheriff. Yeah. Uh, and to be acting like this, you know, constantly picking on someone childish, things like that. Um, either way, though, anytime a mom, two moms in this case, gets involved, that's a, that's pretty hilarious for pro athlete. My question, though, to wrap this up, though, I mean, if it were to come to the hands, who you got? Shaq, 100%. Oh, come on. In, in 10 yeah, seconds. JaVale McGee's, what, like seven feet tall, like 150 pounds, like one of the skinniest guys in the NBA. Shaq. The diesel man, come on! You know, I, you, you know, I'm gonna say I am gonna say Shaq, but I think this is closer than you guys are making it. Wow! Same. I give no, you, no. I give you. Javale's got the youth. Javale, and I don't think Shaq can. We've seen Shaq move. He tried to get out of the seat, tripped over a cord, and he ate it. Like we've seen, Shaq doesn't have. I, he's not as nimble as he used to be. He doesn't have the mobility. He's not as agile. I think JaVale would give it. You're he can scrap JaVale, a little bit. You're saying JaVale has the moves? Oh. I think the thing is, yeah, if he gets into a... Uh, well, it really gets into this. MMA fight, JaVale has a better chance. Boxing straight up, Shaq's going to take him down. No problem. JaVale has the moves. Oh. You said it once, Nick. Why'd you bring it back? <laughs> you had to, you had to come back and bring your bad bad joke back in? Can't bounce back from that. Uh, no, you can't. Yeah. Well, shout out to Big Sean, and that will do it for our NBA segment. <laughs> now, we... Uh, Turn our attentions to the college ranks of basketball. The most exciting time of the year is is slowly approaching us. March Madness and, and things are just heating up. But uh, we're going to start this segment before uh, you know, we talk about the tournament with, I guess, more of an off-the-court issue. And it, it, it refers to the Ball family. Mm. You have uh, Lonzo Ball's father, LaVar, claiming that he will only... His son, first off, will only play for the Lakers. God. Second... Uh, that he is currently better than Steph Curry. You put him onto the Warriors, and he would win just as many games and do just as well. I'm going to let either one of you guys start with one of these um, easily shreddable statements. Wrong. LeVar Ball needs to sit down. No, 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 actually don't sit down. Get up and run. Run as far away from the media as you can. That's terrible. That's horrific. You're going to say he's better than Steph right now? At this moment in time? So we all know parents have confidence in their kids, but LeVar right now is going a little crazy, taking this to a whole different level. Um, I respect the confidence that he has, but you can't be saying this, this stuff. And in terms of what he's talking about, my son will only play for the Lakers. You know, if we look back to 1996, actually, when Kobe Bryant was coming out of high school, uh, he was supposed to be going to the Nets in a trade, and, and the Nets were thinking about drafting him, not, not a trade, my mistake. They were, th- they were thinking about drafting him, and C- Kobe was actually able to finagle his way to Los Angeles with the help of his agent, Arn Tellum, just for the, um, you know, if you go back 20 years. I'm not sure if that happens again in this situation, but I think that might be what LeVar is going for, kind of saying that, kind of playing agent for his son here, saying, I want my son to play for the Lakers, I want him to stay in L.A., and this guy, you know, he, he has been saying some outlandish stuff in the media. Even, even last year when uh, all three of the Ball brothers were uh, playing for Chino Hills High School, um, he was quoted in a lot of those articles saying, some, you know, say, saying the same kind of stuff back, back last year. And now, of course, it's gaining national attention because Lonzo is playing on UCLA and he has the potential to be a top two, a top two or three draft pick in this June's draft. I don't know, man. I mean, 
Um, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, you just you got, it's entertaining at this point. I, I'm I'm looking forward to what he has to say next, honestly. Yeah, and I think uh, my thoughts on this. You know, when I started researching a bit, um, I saw two of my favorite you know sports personalities on Twitter discussing this: you know, Scott Van Pelt and Bomani Jones. And and really, what they had to say was, you know, Scott Scott came in and questioned that Lavar's, you know, his antics could be in the sense of creating a brand for his kids and not looking out for them in the sense yeah. that, that we may think it is. You know, he's already got the T-shirts. Easy to sell these Ball Brothers. You know, they're all over ESPN. But at the same time, we don't really know that. You know, we don't know the the true reason he's doing this. And it, this is also not the first time it's happened in sports, as as they brought up. You know, we have uh, Tiger Woods' dad. Um, who made you know, all sorts of outlandish comments when he's growing up? Proved all of them. The Williams sister father made all sorts of outlandish comments about how his two daughters are going to be the greatest of all time. Okay, what I just want to throw right this now? out there. You just said the greatest golfer possibly of all time, mm-hmm. and two of the greatest tennis yeah. players of all time. I'm not going to sit here and say Alonzo Ball is going to no, be no, one of the and greatest. That's, and that's what I'm saying. And that's that's my point is that we don't know. We didn't know. No one knew that any of those kids were going to be as good as they were. We didn't know that, but think about the similarities. A high school phenom before his time, uh, fathers who are, are speaking out aggressively. I'm just saying, you know, it's not that we haven't seen this in the sports world before. No, it's, we, you know? we've seen and, it before. And there's, for as many cases like the Williams and like Tiger Woods, there are probably a hundred in the opposite direction of parents saying that their children are going to be the best and this and that, and it doesn't happen. But not to think that this is unthinkable, you know, it's not. No, definitely not. Uh, my only thing, it's just annoying. I there's also been talk of this could hurt Lonzo's draft stock. Hmm. The fact that his dad is so involved and he says all these things, that's not something you want around a pro franchise because it's just going to create distractions and pro franchises don't want distractions like that. So like, that's another thought is you coming out and saying this might hurt him in the future. Yeah. Well, to Lonzo's credit though, he's handling it pretty well. He doesn't really comment too much on what his dad said. All He says, all I do is go out and play basketball, man. He, he doesn't really get too involved in it, which is good. Smart. It is smart, and um, just to close on this on this topic, I would really love to see Steph Curry play in at UCLA and see what happens. That too, yeah. So <laughs> because like, if, if he's making that comparison, that Lonzo is better than Steph right now. I mean, who in the right mind would even consider that statement? This this kid, Steph Curry, is a, a two time MVP. You know, he's yeah. uh, a I mean, guy who's one of the best players in the world. Lonzo has dominated high school and is playing well in college, but come on now. Yeah, you're talking Match about... Match up Steph Curry on Lonzo Ball and see what happens. Uh, I don't you're talking know. about one kid who's gone to the most elite basketball program in college basketball history. I'm talking about another kid who went to a team that probably has never been ranked besides when he was on the team. And talking about a kid who averaged 31 points in the NCAA tournament with no one around him. That's not a comparison. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Think about... Just going off of that, so Steph's ascension to where he is now was one much more challenging than Lonzo's facing. Lonzo is, mm-hmm. like you said, top high school, top college. Everything is handed to him. Everything is given to him. His dad is vouching for him, as we just discussed. Steph had to break through all of that. He did have his dad as a former basketball player. Yeah, it's but, kind of funny in that sense that but, the guy who has the former NBA dad yeah. is yeah. He's, he's more <laughs> humble and had to, had to fight through all this adversity than the guy who just kind of came out of nowhere with two brothers. That is classic AAU dad, though. Oh, it is. LeVar, he's, he's doing everything. He's doing the most. And moving on to the next part of college basketball, moving forward, uh, we'll just get right into the tournament talks here, guys. You know, I think uh, keeping with our West Coast, the L.A. Love theme, as we always do, it seems to me right now that about five teams are looking like they're going to get into the tournament from the Pac-12. Maybe more, maybe less. Uh, still a few games left. Um, but what do you guys think? You know, what do you think about the Pac-12 teams going forward, and especially, you know, our hometown, UCLA Bruins, and <laughs> you are USC Trojans. There we go. Well, th- I think 
I think it's ridiculous that UCLA has got back up to number three overall in the nation right now. They Yes, they beat Arizona, and they did beat Oregon. They've had some good wins, and, and congratulations. They're not going to do anything in the tournament. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Steve Alford is not a winning coach. And that they could be whatever they want right now. They might be getting a one seed, and that'll be fun because then they might be the first ever one seed to lose to a 16. I Jesse, mean, Jesse, just, Jesse. Yeah, it's just, I don't <laughs> know. I mean, I guess I, you, know, you have this Trojan blur in front of you guys that you just can't see how good this team is, how efficient they are on offense. And they're, they may, they're great offensively. They may have some defensive struggles, but they just beat two of the top ten teams in the nation. You they know? did. It, Duke did the same thing last week, and we were talking about how great Duke was. Why can't UCLA move up just as Duke did before that? Okay, Duke hasn't even moved up. USC, yes, USC beat UCLA on January 25th. That's over a month ago, and since then UCLA has not lost a game. They've avenged their loss to Arizona. They beat Oregon, like you said, the number five and number four teams at the times, respectively. Now, I've said this before, and you guys have heard me say it, that I believe UCLA will be our 2017 national champions, and I stand by that. They're peaking at the right time. Um, I love this team. I love Lonzo. I think he is the real deal. I'm not sure he's better than Steph, as I just said, but <laughs> um, I think they can go far in this tournament, and I think they'll go all the way. Um, I like the way they're playing right now, so I think the number three ranking is appropriate for them. Uh, I know Jesse's not going to agree with me on that, but we'll see if USC even gets in the tournament. So exactly, they will. That's not like they're going to get in the tournament. That's fine. They have the Washington schools left. They'll they'll win out and they'll win a couple games in the in the conference tournament. They'll get into the tournament. That's not. I'm not worried about that. We we do have a new number one um, in the nation. We have Kansas, who the rightful number one. Yeah, Gonzaga took the loss to BYU, uh, who Santa Clara beat. By the way, I just want to throw that out there. Yes. So by transitive yes. by, by transitive property, um, you know Santa Clara could potentially be better than Gonzaga. I want. Yep. Talk to him. Yay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, Kansas actually uh, almost had a scare uh, last night. We're recording this on a Tuesday. On Monday night, they were down by twelve to Oklahoma with nine minutes to go in the game before they. I guess proved why they're number one and came back and actually won by ten. So I was watching that game and it just it really backed up my thought that Kansas really is the number one team in the nation. Although Oklahoma's not a very good team and they're down by twelve, they really just turned it on. Frank Mason's the player of the year. Uh, Devontae Graham caught fire four threes in a row on five total possessions for Kansas. Um, they are so good and they actually have a real good coach instead of UCLA's. Uh, Bill Self is a real good coach. Um, I think what, Kansas is going to win it all. What's your issue with Alfred? What has he done? Oh, he's a trash coach. Well, why? I have no, I have no personal issue with him. He's I know you have no coach. I understand though. What you say he's not a winner. You say this yeah, yeah. You remember, you remember all those years when he was with uh, Mexico, I believe, and they would go and they'd be, they'd have these great regular season teams. They hit the tournament second round. Stem team with like literally uh, minimal funding. T- Tony compared. Snell, I yeah, was you on know, that team. I don't, I don't know how you can say that he hasn't done a great. They, job. Are they not? A, were they not a three seed in the tournament? They were. Yeah, were they, they were. not high seeds in the tournament, and then they take these L's? Like, this guy is just not a winner. I can tell you already, though, that those New Mexico teams did not play the same level of competition as these UCLA teams. This is true. Or I have agree. the same players. So I agree. They, I would rather blame the you know selection committee for that, um, for putting that number three, potentially. I, I think these UCLA, UCLA teams are just better. And I don't think, so you know, I'm just going to say this. Yeah, so yeah. You, you can blame the selection committee all you want. You can do that. When UCLA does not make it past the Sweet 16... Don't blame the selection committee. Come back, and we'll talk about how Steve Alford is not a winner. We will. We'll talk about this in a few weeks when UCLA is, you know, arriving at the Final Four, preparing to get into these national championship games. Because I'm with you, Nick. I think that this team is definitely going to be in the Final Four. The <laughs> NCAA title, that's pretty bold. 
I do like him. You know, I can't say they're not one of the favorites, but I do like Kansas too, Jess. Um, can never sleep on a lot of schools like Kentucky, Michigan State even. Not having a great year, but I just never ever count them out. The fact fun. that they're going to sneak in, the, they're going to get in the tournament, and that's they are too. Izzo is just a, too dangerous. A late run, you know, you just can't but ever the, count them. The out. problem is Aaron Harris is out, and yeah. that, I don't think they make. Any, this any may not be the year for it, but I will never. I've learned literally with my bracket to never ever count Michigan State out. I will never doubt them. I did last year with my all right. You know, Michigan State always yeah. proves me wrong, and then they they took the fat out, and I was like, <laughs> man, they really did me dirty again. They in did. the opposite <laughs> way. <laughs> they're tricksters. You gotta love them. I think Kansas wins it all. I mean, I think if UCLA finds Arizona or Oregon in the tournament, they take that L for sure. Both uh, teams they've beaten already. I think yeah, the word have beat I think the word to describe my feeling about March Madness approaching is giddy. It's yeah. February twenty eighth. March is oh, it's just less than twenty four hours away. It's coming. It's it's on its way. Twelve hours till we're in the madness, boys. I'm giddy. I'm and you giddy. did you did just a little side note mention it's February twenty eighth. Uh, shout out to our boy Nick Osler right here. His birthday is kind of tomorrow. Do you celebrate today, Nick? You know, I, I'm, I'm going to celebrate today with my, hey. lovely, my lovely family tonight. We're going to yes. go out to dinner. Happy birthday to Nick. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't have an actual birthday this year. Leap day baby. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'll celebrate tonight and see what happens. Should be good. Uh, the old 2-5. How know? old did you turn last year? In your that, that was my, I had my sixth birthday. Sixth the, the big, birthday. The big six last year. So, I won't have another one until 2020. Um, looking forward to that. <laughs> Well, let's, we're going to move on. Nick, happy birthday. We Thank all you. love that. We love that you were born on that day as well. That's always, It's good to know someone that's born on that day. I think yeah. that's a nice little trivia question. Thank you, guys. But uh, you, you wanted to bring someone up, uh, Kelsey Plum, I believe. Yeah, I did want to give a shout-out to Kelsey Plum of the Washington Huskies women's basketball team, who this past weekend did something pretty amazing that I thought was awesome. Um, a lot of people thought it was awesome. Even Kobe Bryant tweeted about it. Um, lots of people tweeted about it. She is now the all-time leading scorer in women's Division One basketball history. And the way she did it was the amazing part about it. Uh, it was her final regular season game of her career, and she was 54 points away from the record, uh, which was held by Jackie Stiles. Um, the number was 3,393. So all Kelsey did was went out there and said, you know, 54 points ain't nothing. I'm going to go over there and score 57. Gets it done. Wow. Final, final game. Kelsey Plum, what a performance. Uh, I just want to give a little shout-out there because... I don't know. I like that. That's Mamba mentality. It is. About it. That's awesome. I think just like, man, clutch, big-time player. Shout-out Kelsey Plum. Shout-out her teammates, too. I mean, obviously, it's not something where, you know, you know, and I'm sure she scored that many points in a game before is my assumption, but um, that's not something where she could just go out and do it by herself. That's something where her teammates are like, you know what, Kelsey, you got to get this done. And uh, so shout-out to the whole Washington. I believe it's Washington, right? Yeah, it's Washington. The whole Washington squad uh, putting her – on their back. Yeah, keeping things on the West Coast, too, you know? Yeah, Even she's also a Southern California native. Shocker, I know. <laughs> Always, baby. Best ballers in the world. The best athletes all come from Southern California. If you didn't know that, now you know. So it is a great time of the year. We have March Madness coming up on us, but you know what else March means? Spring training, baseball. Cactus League is underway. We're back at Camelback Ranch. The boys in blue are going. Um, how are we feeling, guys? I'm feeling great. Um, when I saw that they were playing their first game this past weekend against the White Sox, you know, that game has been marked on the calendar. Shout um, out Dylan Covey, by the way, White Sox. Maranatha, right, Maranatha? Yes. Yes, Maranatha High School, um, so Southern California. We always like to give love to our local, um, local guys here. But in terms of the Dodgers returning, you know, I was just in such a great mood on Saturday to see the, the boys back out on the field. They got the win. 
Uh, Kershaw started the game. Everyone seems to be back, having a great time. I just love that baseball is back in the air. Uh, we talked about this on last podcast, but I'm still feeling ecstatic about it. Uh, they won their next game and then lost the other one. They're two and one, but really, who, who cares about final scores? I just like to see baseball back, uh, back out in, at the Arizona Sun. Yeah, spring training is never a time uh, to be too concerned with winning or losing. I think it's just a, a time to watch people get their work in it and progress towards the season, and, and that's what I love about it. And just the fact that I love baseball, but this is one of my favorite times of the year, the blossoming of a new season. And so far, the Dodgers have looked good. You know, we're only two games in. Uh, Kershaw looked very sharp in his first outing. Uh, Chris Hatcher, right back in the form last season, gave up a bomb in his first game, so that was good <laughs> to see. I was super happy about that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's good to see. Justin Turner hasn't, hasn't gotten out yet which is fun. Uh, he's only gotten a couple at-bats, but mm-hmm. I like to think that that's going to go on for the rest of spring training. I think it probably will. I can't see him getting out at least more than three times. I don't, I don't see that. Or at all. Yeah, yeah at But, all. you know, again, it's just a great time of year. Um, it's good to see the young players, too. Cody Bellinger hit an absolute tank yesterday. The yak yak. Alex oh Verdugo. Oh, my God. Verdugo hit a tank yesterday. And on the pitching side, you know, we know about Urias, um, and we know about those young talents that already been there. But uh, another guy I want to talk about really quickly, Trevor Oaks, who uh, pitched very well the other day. I actually played against him in college. He's 22-23 on the rise in the Dodgers organization. Could be very good one day. They just have so much young talent. Every inning out there for the Dodgers is fun to watch because you get to see a guy who's either on a top prospect list or someone you've been interested to see or has some killer minor league stats that you hope will develop into a great play for the Dodgers one day. And you bring up all these guys that you kind of want to see, and I'm going to give a quick shout-out to someone that I was just uh, put on to uh, by our good friend and colleague, Silly Angles, uh, Jack Murphy, who is a legend in these streets. If you don't know about Jack Murphy, which I didn't before today, go and look him up. All you have to do to understand that he's a legend is go to his images mm-hmm. on Google. Look yeah. up Jack Murphy. Jack Murphy is one of the few players in the MLB whose value is is – Obviously apparent as soon as you see it. 100%. You know, and for those of you that haven't seen a photo of him, I suggest go looking it up because my description won't, you know, do it justice. We will we will throw a photo up yeah. on the on the website, on our Facebook page that, and Twitter just for you, for you guys to get a, a better look at him because, as Sully said, you know, our descriptions are not going to do it justice, uh, as yeah. you were saying, Sully. But, yes, this man has just flowing black hair, uh, a, a thick and sturdy mustache. Mm. Uh, he's a catcher, so obviously he got the flow out of the back of the mask. And yesterday he even took an at-bat uh, with his hair tied in a ponytail. Incredible. Uh, these are our trailblazing things for baseball, things that we have not seen yet. Uh, and, and as you know, the uh, popularity of the man bun declines, you now have the outliers once again with long hair who do crazy things. And Jack Murphy had long hair before. I assume I'll have it for years to come. But just shout out Jack Murphy. And if there's ever a sport where experimentation with hairstyles is, if not allowed, but encouraged, it's mm-hmm. baseball. And we're seeing a prime example of that with Jack. Please take a look at him. Jack, again, another friend of the podcast. We would love to have you on if you're ever listening um, to Cautiously Optimistic because we are very cautiously cautiously optimistic about your hairstyle and yeah. uh, about the Dodger season. Uh, it's great. Uh, another shout out to uh, the Dodgers uh, social media team and photo team throwing those photos there on Facebook to see uh, you know everybody just hanging out in the clubhouse playing some ping pong relaxing everybody having a great time I, I it's, it's like we're, it's like we're part of the team and that, that's what I love about it uh, can't wait to see more of these games and you know, get deeper into spring training here and I also love that the cornhole the, hor- the cornhole competition they had this week at spring training I don't know if you guys saw that but Maeda is just dominating because I, <laughs> I don't know how much cornhole they play it's not a match in Japan <laughs> I know right it's like you got Alex Wood you know a big southern boy obviously played a bunch of cornhole growing mm-hmm. up Kershaw's up there doing well but 
you know, my four, four or five points at the top of the list is Maeda, which That's, is another reason to love him. And now it's time for the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. This week's fast food flavor, we're going to take it in a bit of a different direction. This week, uh, obvious fans of the podcast, uh, another podcast and sports site, The Ringer, shout out Bill Simmons, they seem to have, you know, latched on to our love of fast food, and they have come out with their own list of the top 50 fast food items available in America. Um... One word I will use is controversial, but before I say anything, you don't want to hear from me. Let's turn this over to the dollar menu wizard, the swine, Mr. Jesse Brummel. What do you have to say about this list, Jess? Abysmal. Um, it's horrific. You, you, you put, they, I mean, okay, so I'm just going to go over this off top. Waffle fries, number one. I'm not terribly mad at that. Double, double, number two needs to be number one. Number three is Fries. From McDonald's, but it's fries. That's your. That's all. You, four. Guess better. Four is quote chicken from Popeyes. Not a specific type of chicken, just chicken. That's like if they were to just put in number four burger. That's what are you thinking? And then five is a chicken sandwich from Chick Fil A. Good sandwich. Good sandwich. Other fun things in here. Number seven is a Blizzard from Dairy Queen. You're gonna put. A sweet treat, a dessert, as number seven overall? Get out of here. You have one of my favorites. My second favorite thing in this is the Auntie Anne's pretzel made it on the list. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Then my favorite, this is my favorite one. This is Subway Cookies made it on the list. They might be good, but if we're going to consider Auntie Anne's a fast food place... Then we gotta consider Mrs. Fields a fast food place. And if Mrs. Fields is a fast food place, those cookies are better than Subway cookies. Get out of here. Alright, Jess, it seems like, you know, angry would be an understatement to describe how you have reacted to this ringer the list. Pretzel is 17 overall. Okay, now now Jess, I understand there's a lot of issues you have with the list. We could go through the whole thing and you could tear it to shreds. But that's not what the people want to hear. They can look up that list. So what is your list, Jess? I know you have made a similar list to what the ringer has done. But what is the swine's list of the fast food items that he thinks are the best in America? So my, my first issue with the, the bringers list also is that there's 50 items. You don't need 50 items. And I think that's why they had to go and stretch to put things like the Auntie Anne's pretzel and Subway cookies and, quote, chicken on the list. Um, so I'm going to put out a full list eventually. But here I'm just going to give you a quick top five. Um, and I think my list won't, will only be around 15 to 20 overall. But... Number one, I spoiled it early, Double Double. Mm-hmm. It's the most classic thing on the best fast food restaurant in America, Double Double. Star player for a star team has got to be the MVP, right? 100%. Just like fast food. And that's in and out. Yes. And for out. anybody who doesn't know, yes, from anybody yeah. who's listening and to this podcast. And if you don't know, turn the podcast off because we don't want it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Number two is a restaurant that was criminally uh, undervalued in this, in this list, and that's the Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell. A classic item, and and for this, I'm not really putting limited time items on this list. Yeah. Uh, just this is the Crunchwrap Supreme is so classic from the second best fast food restaurant in America. Obviously, number one being In and Out, as I said. Uh, you can eat it on the go. You can it, it stands alone. It's it's just an incredible menu piece. Number three, and some people aren't gonna appreciate this, but the Western Bacon Cheeseburger 
from Carl's Jr. Mm. Another extremely classic piece in a very good fast food restaurant who's actually, they're, they're climbing the ranks recently. Um, Carl's Jr. has been doing great things recently. And Western Bacon Cheeseburger, an American classic. Number four, we're going back to In-N-Out, boys. Animal fries. Okay. Definitely. Another great idea, uh, a good side to a double-double. If you don't want to do the animal-style burger, you just get your double-double and you get your animal fries. Part of a balanced breakfast. We got a little uh, Oklahoma City Thunder from the past five years. We got two of the, two of the top five players on one team here from In-N-Out. Yeah. KD and That's Westbrook nice. here. A little comparison there. And five, I'm going with... Um, you know, another one of my favorite pinis, but the two tacos from Jack in the Box is a great play. Excites me. And they still made it to the top five for you despite the price increase. Uh, if there was no price increase, would that be lower on the list I or think higher would, on the list? I think it would honestly still be number five because I don't think it could top animal fries. Um, but it, it would definitely be more of a discussion. It almost, it almost fell down to number six on this list just because of the price increase. But it's just such a good menu play. Yeah. And, you know, I think a fun fact for you, just I was reading a little bit about fast food this week, Taco Bell uh, is one of the healthiest fast food places a fact. In, in the nation. Well, that's, that, great. that's a great top five list. We, we can't wait to see the full list when that's ready. Um, but we appreciate you coming back with this because when we saw this ringer list drop earlier this week, we knew there was going to be some... Yeah. As you said, controversial subject matter in there, and we appreciate you giving your thoughts. I know it was a difficult thing for you to read there. It's tough. Um, it is tough for you to have to go through that, especially to see a you know a, a great website like The Ringer, who has been listening to fast food flavor. It seems to come back with this. Um, please, uh, anybody, if anybody at The Ringer is listening, Bill, if you're listening, Shay, uh, we would Sean, we would love anyone. to have a discussion. We would like to meet with you uh, to discuss this list and potentially arrange a partnership. But for now, <laughs> we are uh, we are cautiously optimistic, and that was a fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. And now we move over to one of our favorite segments, and that is what the puck. What the puck? What the puck? What the puck? Where we ask the question, "What the puck?" What and the puck? What the puck? And in today's edition of "What the puck," we have a story out of Buffalo, New York, mm. where a former NHL player, Andrew Peters, who was known in his playing days as an enforcer, enforcer, he is now coaching a youth hockey team, but still hasn't quite shaken that enforcer mentality because he was suspended for getting into a brawl with a bunch of 15-year-old boys on the ice, and we do not like to see that at all. Well, you know what they say, once an enforcer, always an enforcer. That's true. And, you know, when you've got a 6'4", 240-pound man going after some 15-year-old children, the only thing that I can think of is that those kids did something very wrong. They must have done something wrong, and and Andrew Peters was not going to let them get away with it. He looks out for his squad. Buffalo police were called to downtown arena to investigate the brawl. This was a this was an incident, we can say. Um, But um, he won't be facing legal charges. He won't be facing legal legal charges. All he's facing is a suspension from the Junior Sabers and embarrassment. And embarrassment, (laughs) Mr. Peters. What the puck? What the puck? What a goof. That guy really just got into a fight like that. Squared up. Okay, here we go. And now we move in to our final segment, a series of super hot, interesting takes. Mm -hmm. And this is the point of the show where we wrap it up and we give you our thoughts on something, maybe sports-related, maybe not. Uh, And we got two for you this week, one from both Nick and the swine. 
Uh, so we're gonna throw it over to the swine first with his super hot, interesting take. Okay, so the rap world and Twitter both blew up uh, in the past few days because if you didn't know, Remy Ma sheathered Nicki Minaj in a song entitled Sheather, um, which is a play on Ether, the infamous diss track. But Remy, Remy really, really went in. She, she really wrecked Nicki. Whether there are true things in this in this rap or not, who knows? Uh, Ebro is saying that she was lying. Trey Songz came out and said that Remy was lying about their uh, particular accusations. But nonetheless, great diss track. My super hot, t- interesting take is that. Nicki Minaj is not going to respond, which is also a terrible idea. <laughs> but I don't think Nicki's going to respond. I think Meek influenced her in a way uh, that was not good, and Meek's lack of real response to Drake has rubbed off. And I don't think Nicki's going to respond. She's going to think she's too big for Remy, and she's not going to do what she needs to do for the culture. Well, that'd be interesting to see how that plays out, Joss. I think this next week, that could be the answer, too. Normally, our hot takes take a little more time, but this one, yeah, we shall see. should it, be immediate. Very, yeah, it should be. So, now we come. This this hot take was discussed before the show. Um, we don't know what we he's going to say. We don't know what it is, but we, we think have ideas. Nick is about to come with some fire. So, I'm going to toss it over to Nick for a super hot and interesting take. Now, this is going to be unpopular to many, I believe, but it's been something that's been weighing on my mind for the past few weeks here. Um... Let's just put it this way. You know, we were discussing before the show a possible collaboration between the Migos, Chance the Rapper, DJ Khaled, all these guys. Justin Bieber. Bieber was on there. But, you know, of all those names, I, I want to focus on the Migos. And <laughs> this is what I was worried about. And uh, for those of you listening on the podcast right now, Jesse and Sully are, are staring at me intently, arms folded under their chins, looking at me with wide eyes. Hard to make hard to make eye contact with them right now, <laughs> but I'm gonna have to say that what I plan to do right now is ride out the Migos fad because I believe the Migos are just a fad. They're a pat. They're they're a passing art group who will be forgotten soon. Now let me explain this. The Migos have been around for a while now, but not really on a well-known you know pop culture level more recently um, that's been more recent in the past few years or past few months and I just don't think that the Migos are going to sustain this level of traction in the in the rap game in the hip hop game and I know they're killing it right now and they reached number one with Bad and Bougie not too long ago Atlanta is killing it right now you know Vice has made a documentary about the whole trap scene in Atlanta and in the south but let me just throw some names out. Like, I, if, I, if, I don't remember, if I remember correctly, about two years ago, Fetty Wap had the same level of traction in the culture. And have we heard from him recently? He's coming out with a new album soon. But no. But no, but no, we haven't. Did anybody know he was coming out with a new album? Probably not. You did, but probably not a lot of other people. I did. Uh, guys like Young Thug, Lil Yachty. These guys are killing it right now, but come on, let's, let's think about this. Are, are these guys going to be around in two years, three years? Are they going to sustain their level of production, or is this just a moment in culture where, as they say, you know, they, they like to do it for the culture. That's their whole saying. But how long can they keep this up? Who are the Migos? You know, we know who they are, but I don't believe that they will carry this through for the long haul like some of their other uh, legends in the trap game. Perhaps a guy like T.I., he, you know, he remains relevant because he's built something, he started it. And yes, I'm not 
fully qualified to be talking about the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I fully understand that. But um, just because I wanted to discuss it today, because although I'm trying to learn more about it, I, I did watch that documentary. Um, shout out Jay Wu putting me on that. But the thing is, as I've learned more about them, I, I just don't see. Um, I don't. Under, I don't quite understand how it's happening. If that makes sense. And in that same sense. How will it continue to happen? And, and then, where, where, will the, where will the drive come from? Goes back to the point, the line I just said. So many kids dabbing, don't know how it happened. Now that, that's not necessarily the words they use in that line, but no one knows how it happened. But it's here. We are in an era of hip. Hip hop goes through eras. Okay. Early two thousands, the Ja Rule have a have a Ashanti on the hook. That was an era. You get what I'm saying? We are in an era of hip hop right now, of popular hip hop, where it's this trap music. It's 21 Savage, it's Migos, it's Young Thug. It's an era. But if you're telling me that Ja Rule wasn't a legend? DMX? Fat Joe, the Terror Squad? Like, that's a this is just an era of hip-hop that's happening right now. I love it. Atlanta is the center of hip-hop right now. And that's what it's gonna continue to be because they're at the peak right now. And the peak isn't slowing. They're gonna keep going. Thug is gonna keep putting out music. Unfortunately, Yachty's gonna keep putting out music. Um, these guys are gonna. I'm go. actually a fan of Lil Yachty, so don't say unfortunately. See, that's completely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even need to say anything. You know, guys, we can we can argue this all day, but once again, the point of super hot interesting takes is to wait and find out. That's true. That. So that's we will true. we'll put this down on the list, and we will find out soon enough. Now, this brings us to the end of the podcast. So. Thank you for joining us once again. Unfortunately, we didn't have time today. Josh Chamberlain was supposed to be on the podcast, yes, but yes. we couldn't uh, get him in here today. Sorry about that. Josh is in the waiting room. We're going to have to bump him towards next week. I'm sure he's going to understand. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, as always. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode. Happy March. Happy March Madness coming up soon. We will be back for more before that tournament starts. But for now, we would like to wish you well and have a wonderful week from your boys here at Cautiously Optimistic. Migos forever. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. We'll catch y'all later. Put that spotlight on her face. We gon' pipe up and turn up. We gon' light up and burn up.